It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Locked on Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Brady Trantham, and for the next 30 minutes or so, you will be locked on Thunder. It's Tuesday, and we're still a few days away from actual basketball. I believe the NBA actually starts games back after the All-Star break on Thursday, and your Oklahoma City Thunder are back in action in Oklahoma City at Chesapeake Energy Arena against the Denver Nuggets on Friday. It's going to be a long few days, but I'm enjoying uh, some time off from practices, from whatever I have to, wherever I have to be. It's nice to have these few days off because, as we all know, once you get back into all-star break mode, post-all-star break mode, the games get a little bit more important, the grind gets a little bit harder, and then the postseason is a completely different animal, not just from the player's perspective, obviously, but from a coverage standpoint. I'm enjoying these days off. And if you still don't know who I am, I've been covering the Thunder since 2014 and since 2018 with 107.7, the franchise in Oklahoma City and 107.9, the franchise in Tulsa as their lead Thunder insider, Thunder contributor, blah, blah, blah. None of that is that important. I'm just kidding. I enjoy it and I appreciate my position. But uh, yeah, yesterday I was on the morning show on 107.7 today. I had Trantham Tuesday during the Dylan and Todd show from 9 to a uh, nine to noon excuse me nine to noon and yes it's been quite a few days a lot of stuff to talk about we'll have some things to talk about as well as we get later into this episode but you can also follow my other thunder podcast okc82 that i do with madison morris and we're also on the franchise thunder insider show on saturday mornings from 10 a.m till noon we will have a show this saturday yay the basketball show is back and please feel free to follow me on twitter at brady does sports Again, no practices, no games to talk about. So we're, we might dive in a little bit of like what we've seen thus far, a handful of other topics. I, I was going to go a little bit of a deep dive into SGA's season uh, up till this point and basically talk about the leap that he's made because I think that kind of gets lost a lot when we're talking about uh, Shea Gilles Alexander. It's just the leap that he made from his rookie season with the Clippers into what he has now become with the Thunder. But I wanted to have a little bit more time for research on that one, so we'll probably shelve that for Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Just depends on how much time I have to get stuff done. But I, I do want to talk about basically something that uh, I discussed earlier today on 107.7 with Dylan Buckingham and Todd Lisenby. And it's, you know, it's the age-old question about this season. I mean, is this a rebuild? Is it a rebuild? And I tend to side on the answer of no, it's not a rebuild. It's a remodeling. I mean, at the end of the day, it's silly to put a metaphorical category on this season. But again, it goes all the way back into July when Paul George was traded. And then a few days later, Russell Westbrook was traded. And then immediately after that trade went down, 
you saw all the reports, just like I did. Chris Paul is going to be going to Miami, or there's going to be a third team involved. Uh, Daryl Moore did not trade Chris Paul to Oklahoma City, uh, thinking that Chris Paul would end up in Oklahoma City. And then as the hours turned into days and the days turned into weeks, it became apparent that Daryl Moore didn't give a damn uh, what Oklahoma City did with Chris Paul. He just simply wanted Russell Westbrook uh, for Chris Paul for whatever reasons. And I know that there are some people around the league that feel like that Daryl Moore didn't really want that trade to go down. At the end of the day, he made the deal. And Oklahoma City was, in a lot of ways, made maybe a little bit better in the short term. But, again, that's a different topic for a different day. Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook, who you got. But, again, we lived under this this guise of, yeah, Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, they're going to be traded fairly soon. Don't get used to them. And the date that we always talked about was December 15th when the rest of the league, the majority of the league could then be traded that's when it's going to happen. That's when the true rebuild is going to take place. And the true rebuild that even Sam Presti heavily alluded to in his offseason op-ed to the Oklahoman right before he had his uh, basically post-Russell Westbrook, Paul George was have just been traded press conference at the time. At some point, it was going to be difficult. At some point, it was going to be hard. And we just kept thinking about that until, you know, before we knew it, and I, I, I think that this kind of happened first before the second thing. This being first being, oh, I guess they're not rebuilding. Oh, the second thing being, the Thunder are actually kind of good. Like They might be able to climb up in the standings in the Western Conference. They might be able to pr- possibly win a first round if they get a beneficial matchup. It's not all around a possibility. That's not Homer speak by any means. But we're all human beings. And no matter what, like we always feel better if we can categorize something. And this season, because we know it's not going to yield a championship, and we're we live in the rings culture, and that's what at the end of the day matters, of course. It's a wash. It doesn't matter that it's a good story. That 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 story can be told today, can be told months from now, can be told ten years from now, when we look back on how the Thunder were able to rebound if they were are, are able to and get back to a championship contender that they were in their first decade, we'll always think fondly of the 2019-2020 Thunder for making that happen. But because that's the topic today, again, it's not a rebuild. And I'm really curious what you what you guys think. I mean, is this even the right way to go? I tend to think that it, there is a lot of benefit, probably more benefit in winning than losing. And I understand the general fear that's typically thrown out, especially at franchises that hail from small markets. The last place you want to be is in the absolute middle, where you are probably a playoff team. You might be fighting for playoff positioning. If you don't make the playoffs, you're not really a lottery team. And if you are a lottery team, you, of course, aren't getting a top three, top five pick, a guy that can certainly change the fortune of your franchise fairly quickly. I get that. And there are some teams and some franchises that can fall under that category as well. But I think the thing that we all need to do is when we're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, yes, there's a, they are a small market. Yes, they have disadvantages that other teams don't have to worry about. And yes, I saw the TV ratings as well. Cut nearly 50% from the previous season. And apparently that might have a lot to do with just 
cable providers and broadcasting companies more so than just fans being not interested in the Oklahoma City Thunder anymore. And that, but that's a different story as well. But all these disadvantages kind of tell you if you're a small market franchise, you don't want to be where the Thunder kind of are. Now, they're a higher end middle of the pack team, I would say. I think just from the standpoint of they have Chris Paul, they have Danilo Gallinari, they have all these fine pieces that could potentially win a first round playoff series and generate a lot of excitement, a lot of revenue locally and even nationally. The Thunder brand is still strong. I mean, it's interesting. They have always championed that they're one of the more winningest franchises, not just in the NBA over the last decade, but in North American sports. They certainly are. And in a year where everybody thought, yeah, they might win 30 games, they might win 28 games because they're going to trade all these guys and just be terrible, and they're still good. They reached their Vegas win total before the All-Star break. But it circles back to you've got to give Sam Presti in the front office the benefit of the doubt. They're well aware of what they need to do to get back to where they need to be. And then you circle back into why or how is this beneficial that the Thunder are doing all this? Like, why aren't they trying to aim for a top three pick? Why didn't they try a little bit harder if they had to package a first-round pick or so to get rid of Chris Paul just so that they could tank and go the classic route of trying to rebuild a franchise. Look, like I said, I'm a big proponent of winning matters more than losing. Winning is more important than losing. Now, there are lessons certainly that can be learned in losses, but you want to make sure that those losses aren't the norm. The second that losing becomes the norm, that's what defines you. You don't know how to work any harder because te- guys like Devin Booker work their ass off. He works his ass off. He's an all-star level player. He was in the all-star game. He almost won the three-point contest. He already won a three-point contest before. That guy works his ass off. But guess what? It doesn't matter because he works for the Fe- <laughs> He plays for the Phoenix Suns. Once you get to a point where you're, you are like with the Thunder, where you can even have victories and still find yourself scratching your head, whether you're a fan whether you're like me and you're in the media, whether you're you're a player or a coach on the Thunder. That four-game stretch where they had two victories against Cleveland and Detroit that were pretty boring and pretty bad victories in the way that they played, that's a good thing. That's a good spot to be in, especially when you have a roster that relies so much on a lot of young, inexperienced players to do a lot of veteran experience things. That Marcus Smart strip of Shea Gildas Alexander is going to probably pay dividends down the road. The fact that that game was a huge because the Celtics are good. Obviously they're trying to win a championship and the Thunder are pretty damn good in their own right. It's 2:30 tip off. There was an excitement in the arena, two good teams going off against each other. Thunder wanting to increase their winning streak. SGA, this is your time. This is what you're supposed to do. And then boom, championship level player, role player, Marcus Smart, uh, picture pocket right in front of your home fans. That's going to be important. That play, that disappointing play is not the norm. You sprinkle a lot of victories around disappointing plays or disappointing games like that. It helps further the cause. So once the Thunder do get to a point where they are probably more in a rebuild mode, and that is probably assuming that Chris Paul is eventually traded, Danilo Gallinari is traded, sign and trade, whatever it may end up being. Well, maybe all the lessons learned, the mentorship from Chris Paul, 
to all these young players. Maybe guys like SGA make a similar leap from year one to year two into year three. Maybe Darius Baisley takes the next step. Maybe Hamadou Diallo takes another step. Maybe Sam Presti is able to finagle away into getting another impressive young player or a mid-level role guy that helps you win basketball games in a sign-in trade, potential Danilo Gallinari deal, or a Chris Paul trade. Maybe the Thunder truly never become terrible. And again, there is still something beautiful and something to be learned. Even if you are kind of an upper middle-class team in the NBA, there's always going to be a chance if you have a front office led by Sam Presti and an aggressive front office that's constantly trying to get better, that is constantly trying to find deals that benefit not just the players on roster, but players down the road that aren't even playing for the Thunder at this point. And before we get any third, and before we get any further, I wanted to talk to you guys about Theragun. The stress of daily life weighs on all of us. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. Please, please, please tell me about it. <laughs> That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. You've all seen it. It's that little gun that just basically pounds on your muscles. Patrick Patterson used one, I believe, last year when he was playing for the Thunder. He'd always, for some reason, Patrick Patterson loved Instagram storing the fact that he was using a Theragun. It works wonders. And I go to the gym every day, and sometimes I kick my own ass, sometimes I'm a little bit tired, sometimes I'm even too sore. Like last night I went to the gym, I was there for about 15, 20 minutes, and I just decided, you know what, I'm just too sore, came home, used the Theragun, and now I feel a ton better. So feel better naturally, treat your pain, and get back to your life. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash locked on. For a limited time, my listeners to this podcast get a free charging stand with purchase, a $79 value, absolutely free. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. And welcome back to Locked On Thunder, everybody. You know, I, I didn't really mean to ramble on the last segment, but I mean, it's a topic that demands to be rambled because you're, you're speaking in metaphors, you're speaking in generalities and technicalities. The fact, at the end of the day, saying the general statement that you can't be in the middle of the NBA, that's the worst place to be, that's unfair because every team situation, whether it's just because of the city that they're in, the market size, the front offices, the players that they already have on roster, the young players that they have on roster, and then the draft assets moving forward are all different. Yes, if you are a middle-of-the-pack team with no draft future, if you're the Sacramento Kings and all you have are like 3,000 second round picks, yeah, that might not be too good of a that might be that might not be too good of a place to be in if you're a fan of the Kings. Now, well, the Kings are going to suck and they're going to get a lot of first round lottery picks. Oh, wait, their front office typically doesn't draft well. So, yes, that could work. That statement could work for the Kings. For the Thunder, and I've had this argument with a few people on Twitter whenever I say that Sam Presti more times than not has hit on his draft picks. And that goes well beyond the fact that he drafted Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, Serge Ibaka, you know, basically in three years. You can throw Jeff Green in there too. Jeff Green's still in the league, and Jeff Green helped out this franchise a lot in the early days. 
No, being able to draft guys like Steven Adams, being able to draft guys like, and we all have our own opinions on him right now, but Terrence Ferguson, Darius Baisley, Hamadou Diallo, Reggie Jackson, and even guys that ended up being busts, but Presti is still able to flip them into positive assets like a Cameron Payne. Like Relative to where the Thunder are drafting, Sam Presti t- typically hits on his draft picks. Do they all become all-stars? No. But if you're drafting you know, in the 20s in the first round or even the second round, are you expecting an all-star? No, you're expecting maybe a rotational guy, consistent, maybe, maybe even a, a nice little starter here and there, a role guy, basically. Presti is good wherever he's drafting. He's able to find somebody of value to the team, either in the short term or in the long term. So you have that thought. Whenever you're trying to dissuade the whole, it's terrible to be in the middle. It's terrible to make the playoffs. It's terrible to try to win games. Well, wherever Sam Presti and the Thunder are located in the draft, more times than not, you should at least give Sam Presti the benefit of the doubt to at least see with your own eyes if the guy that he drafts is a, is a scrub or not. And then you have just the plethora of draft assets in the future. So many draft picks. So many options, whether he wants to package some some picks to move up in a draft because he might like a particular player, whether he just absolutely uses all of them, which is impossible because he has more draft picks than uh, the NBA allows you to have players on a roster. It just becomes one of those things where we all remember asking this question in high school to our buddies. You're about to take a test. Your friend's already taken it. You're kind of nervous because you didn't study for it or you may not have studied as hard as you needed to, <laughs> kind of like me, you go up to your buddy and you're like, hey, how hard was the test? I didn't really study for it. And then your buddy just kind of looks at you and goes, dude, you have to try and fail this test. It was so easy. Sam Presti has to basically try and fail at rebuilding the thunder through the draft because he just has too many picks, too many options, and too many nice little assets even on roster. And there's going to be more assets to come via trades and trades that we can't even foresee at this point. And again, we circle all the way back to what we're dealing with right now. A team that's 33-22, and 22, a team that's going to be in the playoffs, a team that could very well not just be at the 7th spot or the 6th spot. They could very well get to climb up to 5 if they go on a nice little streak. But I think if you're talking about that, and this is my opinion, you all might disagree with me, but compared to teams like the Rockets or the Jazz, I think those teams are a little bit better equipped at going on 10, 11 game winning streaks potentially than the Thunder are. The Thunder are going to be great in 10 game intervals. They, they'll go seven and three, eight and two at best. They're not going to go nine and one or 10 and0. They're just not built that way. And having said that, the Rockets are playing some silly basketball, so maybe they aren't either, but I just I'm talking about ceilings here, but at the end of the day, I'm confident that whatever you want to categorize this season as 33 and 22 going to make the playoffs, all those good things. It's not a rebuild and it's also not a bad thing for the future. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to locked on thunder. Again, I know it's a little bit, uh, a little bit of a different type of show when there's not that much to talk about considering games haven't been played, no practices, no audio apologies for that, but I'll do my best to make the content worth your listening pleasure. So everybody until tomorrow, I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Hey, prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.